Following Jesus in the present age is a perennial task. Join me, Ian Panth, biblical scholar and theologian, as I walk through the Christian scriptures and think theology out loud. If you want to dig deeper into the Bible or engage in God talk, then this is the podcast for you. Sorry about the sound quality on this episode. It's too nice a day not to sit outside, and that might mean there's a little bit of background noise. And God said, Let earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So, I started my theological education like graduate school about two two and a half years after I'd actually become a Christian and one of the earliest concepts that caught my attention from my uh, beginning readings in the Bible and it's right at the beginning it's in the first chapter of Genesis was the image of God just what what does that mean? And before I went off to Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, uh, that was already one of those things that I was like, well, I hope I find out about that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to study Hebrew because, well, I just like I had kind of fallen in love with reading scripture and it was such a fascinating book to me that. I wanted to study it in its original languages, uh, and so studying Hebrew was just like this cool I- idea, and that was, oddly enough, like, I mean, I could have studied that in many places closer to home, but uh, pastor, my pastor at the time said, well, you're about to graduate with your BA, maybe you should go and get a graduate degree 
And so it was a desire to do Hebrew and a recognition that, hey, I could do a master's degree instead of another BA at a local Bible college. That's what kind of, those were the little things that drove me out uh, to region and region. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love that place. And uh, it's part of the reason that it, uh, I stayed there so long and one day hope to get back there but uh image of god was one of these phrases i mean there's just something about it that caught my attention and if that's what god made us let us make man in our image after our likeness like somehow that was a reflection of god or somehow that was supposed to define who i was and as i was was i mean part of what we do just living is try to figure out our place in the world and having become a new follower of Jesus, if if I'm supposed to un understand myself as the image of God, and and you know in Colossians it describes Jesus as uh, the image of God as well. That this seemed to be an important concept to understand. So even before I went off to grad school, uh, I had read. I think I would say like systematic theology was probably my first real interest. Um, I don't think I'd read some good biblical studies. I think up at that point I'd read Van Gemmeren on the prophets and that was sort of my intro into oh one should take the historical context seriously. Uh, so maybe so he helped me take steps in that direction but I think I was you know I had a very science and I liked math and so there's something about systematic theology where you're talking about things in a certain order systematically that drew my attention and I, I can't remember who I read now but I would pick up these um, little systematic theologies from our local Christian bookstore and read through them and that was one area that I was drawn to is like it's theological anthropology in your those books would be like what is man uh, and there wasn't there was something unsatisfying about it and as I at Regent I was better able to grapple with what that dissatisfaction with some many of the traditional explanations were in in that in especially in the tradition of systematic theology and uh, and rather than biblical studies and the what the what the tendency i noticed was there among the historical theologians of the the church and up into the modern era there tended to be a spiritualization of this phrase the image of God and a spiritualization of it over against matter and so the basic idea ran like this well if we're made and and part of it is the way it's translated if we're made in God's image then we're reflecting something about God 
God is spirit, therefore it must be something spiritual, immaterial in us that reflects God's image. And so the answers to the question of what is the image of God in us, in human beings, the answers would be, well, it's our soul. So it is, it is literally our spirit within us. That is what images God. Because it can't be our physical body because God doesn't have a physical body. Or, uh, very popular, is that we image God in our reason. It's our ability to reason. It's our rational nature. So in Christian theological tradition, in contrast to the animals that have an animal soul or a bestial soul human beings have a rational soul so we are able to reason so it it was that there was a tradition that uh, I, that occasionally I would encounter but it was usually encountered in order to dismiss it uh, and that was well it's the fact that we stand upright because in contrast to most animals we stand Upright, and that was read as almost like a metaphor for our ability to be righteous or our higher stance than the other creatures. We stand upright. And it, when I was researching the paper I wrote on it for J.I. Packer in, was it, is it, syst I can't remember whether it was systematic A or B. Uh, when I was looking at that and I came across an article, somebody who I actually cited in in the paper in the marginalia had written uh, to the to the comment are the image of God in us is that we stand upright the marginal commenter had said yep just us and the penguins uh, and I actually cited in that paper and I remember that Packer had put a little check mark beside it um, anybody that knows J.I. Packer knows that he knew knows that he had a good sense of humor uh, as I'm doing this podcast he uh, passed away uh, within the past couple of weeks I'm not sure of the exact date uh, so that it just didn't sit right with me and so now I'm at Regent College I'm taking a course with J.I. Packer we need to write a paper and I'm like well I guess here's my opportunity we're supposed to one of the options I mean you just choose some aspect of the course and I'm like well theological anthropology is what we're doing so I'm gonna grapple with this image of God thing I'm gonna go see what Calvin said about it I'm gonna go see what Augustine said about it uh, and look at the tradition but I was also beginning to take biblical studies and one of the things that we learned about uh, uh, Israelite thinking as opposed to the broader culture and especially opposed as opposed to the Greek world is there was not this denigration of the material world so you had and I learned this in theology too because one of the earliest forms of what we would call heresy was to to begin to deny a connection between uh, God the Father of Jesus or Jesus 
and the creator of the material world. Sorry for the sirens. It's too nice a day to be inside, so I'm sitting outside. Uh, and it just struck me that this notion that uh, the image of God in us, which is often the way people ended up talking about it, but that's actually what the text says. The image of God in us is must therefore be something immaterial, spiritual, because it can't be the physicalness of who we are. Well, I'm starting, I'm already taking Hebrew, I'm learning more about ancient Israel and their culture and their way of thinking, especially in contrast to other cultures and, you know, in the Greek culture, there were lots and whether it's Plato or other thinkers that there's a denigration of the material realm and that's something that we need we need to free ourselves from and it's like we're imprisoned here in the material realm and we need to escape from that and or the material realm is the source of all the evils well in Genesis you have the God who creates and orders and maintains the material realm and he calls it good well you come across this image of God so what I I came across uh, an article oh the author's name will come to me <laughs> oddly enough I remember that it was in Tyndale Bulletin yeah the, the author's name will come to me and if I have to tack it on to the end of this I will uh, who was arguing that we do actually need to take this uh, I don't think he used this language this would be something that John Walton now uses but we need to take it as a, more of a functional thing so first of all the term image itself like even the English term suggests a, like a reflection of something or a representation of something well the the Hebrew word Salem there the only other ways it's used in scripture is either in terms of like a, a shadow, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, or of an idol, right? So a literal image of a god. It's not, I think pestle is the more common, If I again, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm not like super keeping up on my Hebrew these days, but... I think pestle is the more common term for an idol and in part I wonder if it because of its that term had such negative associations that the author of Genesis went with something a little bit more neutral but at its most basic understanding there's a sense in which God is saying let us make for ourselves an idol a living idol a living image in contrast right in contrast to the rest of the cultures which make uh, stone gold wood images of their gods right and and when you get to understand like that uh, for this you can go look at John Walton or there's audios uh, of course uh, lectures by 
people like Rick Watts through Region Audio, where it's pretty, uh, there's uh, lots of scholarship would now suggest that what we're getting in Genesis is God, an ancient Near Eastern temple building. And so the cosmos and the, the earth specifically, and then within the earth in Genesis 2 and 3, the garden, this is, this is God's temple. Well, what do you do in God's temple? What do you do in a temple? The way you culminate the construction of the temple is you put in it an image of the God. And so in Genesis, you actually have God making an image of himself. So there's a couple things going on here. First, so that's, that's one of the ways the image, I think, is better understood, is that in contrast to the cultures around them, Israel's like, nope, we don't make images of God. Like, that's pretty common. There was no image of God in their temple. Uh, there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was his footstool. The only image of God that ever entered the temple was the priest. So the priest enters the temple because the priest is made to be the image of God. So you have that on the one hand. Now, in again, in the broader culture, you either had image of God used in this way of a physical statue idol, some sort of physical represent representation of the God, which you treated as though it were the God. The other um, uh, point of reference for the phrase image of God in the broader culture was as a designation of kingship. So in the culture, you would have physical idols spoken of as the image of God, but you could also have, and it's largely male, so kings spoken of as the image of God. So Pharaoh would be considered an image of the God. So here you have two things going on, and this fits. Like when you look at the, the language of what human beings are placed in, uh, what their role is supposed to be, is that they are supposed to be God's physical representation to creation and they're giving kingly responsibilities, kingly and priestly responsibilities to take care of and rule over and of course that has been a, a abused and misunderstood as well. It doesn't mean to rule over tyrannically. <laughs> it's to you know, act in the way that the good creator acted when he made the place. Remember, he, I have provided everything you need in order to live and to care for this place, and that's what you're supposed to imitate. So I ended up writing a... The paper I ended up writing for Packer was a defense of the physical aspect of human beings in the image of God, and that we can't image God to one another. We can't image God to creation without a physical body. We interact in the world through a physical body. So there's no denigration 
or I should say the denigration of the physical body uh, in the tradition in which image of God was understood as things like our our soul or our ability to reason that doesn't actually arise from the biblical text that's sort of put into the text that's that's uh, people interjecting their own culture and going well God is spirit so he couldn't have possibly you know we can't represent him in our our physical being no it's the whole human being and as John Walton would describe in his work and oh, I still don't have the author's name uh, for the article that first really clued me into this uh, that we act out uh, and and in the character of God and we play this role as kings and priests to creation and that's what it means to be to be God's image so part of it here one of the suggestions is that let us make man in our image it could and is perhaps better translated let us make man and that means human being to be our image right so to be our image after our likeness so we are from Genesis told that human beings are supposed to be little regents uh, little uh, princes and princesses representing God in the world now for me and it's and it's everybody right so pretty striking if this is only applied to kings and Genesis is saying male and female are made to be God's image that's already that's countercultural not just to the ancient Near East it's countercultural to probably well we know from much of scripture how society functioned because it didn't tend to treat uh, women also as equally the image of God and much of the world still doesn't and sadly many Christian communities uh, evangelicals among them certainly don't treat women as equally the image of God so it's very much this countercultural notion that all human beings are made to be God's image male and female but it's all human beings right which really like when you get to Jesus like this really resonates and I'll probably continue doing uh, we'll probably I'll probably continue talking about this because this image of God thing just picks up all the way through but even the do unto others as you would have them do unto you or you know the treating the least of these it's because Jesus saw all human beings as made to be God's image now for me when you're dealing with ethics and morality let's say I'm appointed and as an ambassador for my country so I'm going to another part of the world in the name of my country I'm an ambassador when I go when I go there the only real question is do I represent my country well or do I represent it poorly am I a good ambassador for my country or am I a bad ambassador for my country 
And that to me, the, the notion of all human beings made in the image of God means that every human being you encounter is to be treated as though they are representatives of God. But each one of us can represent God well, or we can represent God poorly. We can be good representatives of God, or we can be bad representatives of God. And so that's the question. Judge a tree by its fruit. But if we, as, if as a follower of Jesus, we're taking this image of God language seriously, then when we encounter other human beings, we ought to treat them with the respect, with the dignity, with the honor that we would treat anybody who is appointed by God, right? So that is our basic interaction with other human beings. And so that that really just has really shaped a lot of how I read scripture and you, you see it come up over and over again. Uh, and so, yeah, so that you had male and female both being created in the image of God and it's all people. The other thing now, having had um, a son with severe disabilities uh, who... As I'm recording this, he has passed away about uh, almost a year ago. You know, he, severe disabilities. And he too was made to be God's image. And that again, like, you know, even before I had him, you know, thinking about people with uh, serious mental disabilities. If we define the image of God or assume that it has something to do with our ability to reason and our rash, rational nature or some other uh, attribute that usually has to do with our mind, that ends up leaving a lot of people out. And I can't help but keep going back to the text that it's all human beings. And so there were ways in which my son Corbin, whose name uh, means gift devoted to God, he showed God to people in a way that I was not capable of doing, that many human beings aren't capable of doing. And I show God to people uh, in a way that other human beings aren't able to do. So if we take seriously that all human beings are made to be God's image, and we start looking for in that person the ways in which, which they manifest God to us first, right? Because <laughs> we can all do it, we all do it to some extent poorly. But if we look for those things and we honor those things and we uh, affirm those things and build that person up, if that is our first approach to other human beings, how would that radically alter? Like, I remember, I think it was while I was writing this paper that I one day I was just so struck by it I was walking down through downtown Vancouver and I as I was walking you know seeing you know the business suited person coming out of a building and saying that person's the image of God 
as he walks by a homeless person on the street begging that person is the image of God as I get on a bus and see the bus driver he too is the image of God all the people on the bus crowded jammed together as buses filled with people made to be God's image it was I, I vividly remember that experience of being just like almost overwhelmed by it but if you start to look at the world like part of you'll hear this if I continue doing podcasts I'm sure I'll say it over and over again one of the main reasons for reading scripture and for reading other good books but for reading the Bible is to shape your imagination because you you shape how you see the world um, and I think you know studies have shown that we tend to see the world through what is useful to us but I think we can also consciously think about the world in in different ways I think we will default to that right what use is that person to me well that's not looking at someone as though they're the image of God that's looking at someone as a tool for you to use that's you as a <laughs> that's you as a tyrant king going what use are you to me but if you start looking at the world and say well oh, that person is the image of God and if those <laughs> if that language is about kingship or queenship then it's like how do I serve them how do I honor them what can I do for that person uh, what can I affirm in them it I think that's part of reading scripture is it is it reshapes how you see the world it shapes your imagination uh, to see things in a different in a different way and in the biblical image it opens your eyes right uh, so that you don't see people like trees walking but you see human beings made to be God's image. Probably this is a different type of podcast uh, episode. I'm working through the book of Revelation, which is going to be nice and slow. It's right now it's almost going verse by verse. So if you like that sort of thing, you can continue to listen to that. But I'm also going to just try these episodes where I'm just almost looking at passages that are significant to me and uh, just kind of thinking through them riffing on them out loud and hopefully in do doing so you get something out of it my listener gets something out of it that helps them see something they didn't see before and maybe encourages you to uh, to look more deeply into into scripture into theology um, and hopefully enables you and empowers you to live out a life uh, that is uh, following in the way of Jesus. So the author whose name I couldn't think of because I was doing my reflection on the image of God and the image of God, uh, the author was D.G.A. Kleins, 
and the article was the image of God in man and I was correct it was in Tyndale Bulletin uh, 19 published 1968 pages 53 to 103 uh, it was apparently a Tyndale Old Testament lecture in 1967 so the article again is the image of God in man by DGA Kleins published in Tyndale Bulletin if I can figure out how to put links into my podcast, I will add a link later. I'm just getting started in this and not sure how to do it. But I could put a link on my uh, blog, which is popchrist.com, because it looks like this article is readily available. And, you know, I, in 1968, that was... I think I've seen it cited in other things now, and uh, its basic concept, uh, I probably still basically, like, I still agree with that it's the image of God has these two primary reference, physical idols and kings, and that's uh, a good part of how we should understand it, but I would also look at uh, John Walton's uh, Lost World books, uh, where he talks about uh, it being a functional term, and it's like what we do, but it's like the function is we're little kings and queens on the earth. So again, yeah. So that I, right I, as usual, you know, you stop recording yourself, and that's when you remember the name that you're trying to remember. So DJA DJ DJA Kleins. Uh, and it was in Tyndale Bulletin, and he's a Australian scholar. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Starcross Kingdoms. If you like this content, well, you probably already know what to do. Like, subscribe, and please share. Also, feel free to send in your questions. Just keep them friendly and conversational, and that way I'll be far more likely to respond to them. Until next time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Music